Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jeremy Jackson, your host. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Hebrews chapter 3. We cleaned up chapter 1 and chapter 2 earlier. So tonight, I just want to go over a few things. We're going to talk about Jesus being our high priest. And we're also going to talk about the underestimating power of unbelief. There's a lot of things that we can talk about as far as unbelief goes. But we're just going to start right in chapter 3. We're going to go ahead and jump into verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in all of his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was angry with this generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end, while it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. For who provoked him when they heard? Indeed, did not all of those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. So we got a, a few different things to look at. Uh, mainly we're going to be over in the old Testament a little bit. We're going to look at Jesus as the high priest. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things as far as what being a high priest actually means, the purpose of a high priest and so on and so forth. Right. And Jesus was known as a priest and we can look at we kind of need to go back to Hebrews 2, 5 through 18, honestly, for he did not subject the angels to the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. And we and you have appointed him over the works of your hands and you have put all things in subjection under his feet for in subjecting all things to him. He left nothing that is not subject to him, right? So this kind of goes back to the idea that while Jesus was on the earth, he was just a man. But in his uh, humanity and because of the humiliation in which 
he went through. He was also exalted. He did the work of a priest. And so Jesus actually has more glory or has received more glory than Moses has. I mean, both individuals, if you look at Moses and you look at Jesus, both individuals were faithful to God. The difference is, is that Moses was faithful as a servant of God, where Jesus is actually faithful as God's son. Okay, so Moses was just serving the Lord. And he was serving the Lord faithfully, and he was deemed righteous for that, where Jesus was faithful as a son. Okay, so Jesus is superior to Moses without a shadow of a doubt. But this does not uh, devalue the legitimacy that Moses actually had and all the things that Moses went through. Right. But the, the contrast it's a compare and contrast. So the author is comparing Moses to Jesus and just showing that Jesus is actually a better, greater and the perfect high priest for the position that was needed. Okay. Now, <clears throat> when we look at a few passages in the Old Testament, I like to look at the, the Old Testament and types and shadows. Moses actually represents or is a shadow of Jesus's coming, which we know now. And so verse four says that for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all of his house as a servant for a testimony. Okay, here we go. For a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. Okay. So here we, we kind of get a little glimpse that Moses is actually an allusion to Jesus and who we know as the person Christ now. So the Old Testament speaks of the forthcoming of Jesus. And now we. We're in the time where Jesus has already walked and we're faithful in our obedience. Even though we don't see him, we hear the Holy Spirit. We listen to the Holy Spirit. We're moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one of the most important teachings, doctrines, theologies, studies, whatever. You, that is the Bible for believers now. Okay. And if Moses was faithful in all of his house as a servant, Jesus was faithful as a son over God's house, whose house we are. Okay. So the image is that we're actually the house. And this goes back to uh foundational theology. If you, if you ever watched the late great Derek Prince, he's got a foundational series and it's actually built off of a few verses. I'm actually going to jump over there real quick. It's in Hebrews. We'll get there. Hebrews chapter six, therefore leaving the elementary doctrines and teachings of Christ, let us press on to maturity not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God of instruction about washing, laying on a hands, resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. <laughs> so we have this basis for our house. Okay. And we, as we come to Christ, we have to begin building our foundation, the, the foundation of our spiritual life. Okay. And so there are some elementary things that we have to go through and learn and and just begin to develop this spiritual life, mainly that the foundation has to be built on repentance from dead works. OK, 
We repent from dead works. Nobody is good enough to make it to heaven. It is not by anything that we do. It's by, it's on the basis of everything that he's done. And so in repentance, we change our mind and our attitude towards God. And by faith, we receive salvation, right? Confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, and you will be saved. So repentance from dead works. And then there's this other thing called faith towards God of instructions about washings. Okay, washings being baptisms water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, so on and so forth. There's actually four different baptisms. We'll get into that when we get to Hebrews 6. But then there's the other portion of laying on of hands. All of these things are still applicable to today. Um, and so if you prof- if you confess that you are a Christian, these are some things that you need to be aware of, that you you are supposed to lay hands on individuals. You know, I'm not going to get into the transfer of spirits and all that because this is neither here nor there in the topic that we're studying. But laying on of hands is a transference of power or it could be the impartation of spiritual gifts or blessings, so on and so forth. But if you have no uh, elementary teachings on that, then you'll always just be a babe in Christ and you'll never move forward into maturity. Okay. And then there's the last two things, which is resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so all of these things have to be in, be instilled in us. They have to be learned. We have to come to the knowledge of these things. And, and all of this stuff actually is a house. Our spiritual life is a house. Jesus being the firm foundation. All right. He is the starting point. And then all of these other things help build the infrastructure for us to be a solid Christian. Okay. And so Moses was faithful in all of his house as a servant. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose we are. Okay. So if I'm the house and he is faithful as a son over the house, then he looks out for me. He protects the building because it's his dad's building. Okay. So dad, dad goes away, goes on vacation, whatever. And there's plenty of parables for this. I'm just going to uh, give you a 20th century parable. Uh, you know, dad goes on a vacation, leaves the son behind and says, look, take care of the house. Meaning make sure everybody in the house is good. Make sure Nobody breaks in, make sure nothing gets tore up, you know, just take care of the house and be faithful in that. Right. And so that's pretty much what Jesus does, because we are the house. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Remember, God does not dwell in temples made with hands, but we're actually the tabernacle of the Lord. The Lord dwells in us. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I never want to take that out of context from Corinthians. That's talking about um, actually connecting your body to a harlot or a prostitute. Um, It has nothing to do with anything outside of that context. But when we begin to actually think about our bodies and our lives in general as being a house. Then we have to realize that Jesus is able and capable of taking care of the house. Remember, if we are the dwelling place of the Lord, that means that we are the 
tabernacle. Well, where did the high priest spend the majority of his time in the Old Testament when you go to Exodus chapters 20 through like 28? The high priest only hung out and chilled and did his and handled his responsibilities inside the tabernacle. Okay, so Jesus comes to dwell in us, to live in us, and he handles his business in us so that from the inside, we're able to change our lives spiritually and then take what is being changed on the inside and manifest it outwardly to those who are around us. And so we can't leave out this two letter word. It's the biggest word in the Bible. The two letters are I and F and put together, they make up this word if. So if we hold fast our confidence and boast of our hope firm until the end. The word if actually means to bring into consideration. Okay. So if I need to consider if I have held fast my confidence and boast of my hope firm until the end. Okay. This is an everyday thing. Every day I need to examine myself and make sure that I am of the faith. Remember I told you in chapter two that um, there's a series of warnings through Hebrews. Okay. This is one of those things that if is a huge deal. And anytime you see the word, if you need to take that word and say, okay, if, and then if I do this, then this will happen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Okay. So if I am, then I'm a new creation. But if I'm not, then I'm the same old person. You see what I'm saying? Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice. Okay. That's an interesting word there. That is a present tense word today. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but right now, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. Okay. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and they saw my works for 40 years. Jesus help us. 40 years is, is a long time to see the hand of God on your life and to still fall into a hardened state when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, but it happens all the time. And this really goes into uh, Romans chapter two, verse five. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So in the Old Testament, God actually people say, well, well, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. OK. When you read that, you need to realize that. God only moved in that way after. Listen, after Pharaoh hardened his own heart and hardened it again and hardened it again. Pretty much it was a battle of the gods. When you read the plagues, each plague is symbolic of an Egyptian God and, and the God Yahweh says, OK, I'm going to show you. Who is the God of the frogs and who is the God of fertility and who controls the sun and who can. And 
it's a battle of the gods and inevitably it ends up with Pharaoh, the one that claims to be God. The Lord Yahweh says, I will strike your firstborn and I'll show you that you're no God at all. And we all know the story. I'm not going to, I love Exodus, but I'm not going to go into that. <clears throat> so right here in this particular portion of scripture, it is actually going back to Exodus 4:21. The Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Okay, and then you see, as you read through Exodus, there's this progression where Pharaoh becomes hardened. And seven verse, uh, Exodus 7, 3, but I will harden Pharaoh's heart that I may multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And then you go back to Deuteronomy uh, 2, verse 30, but Sihon, king of Shabon, uh, Heshbon, was not willing for us to pass through this land for the Lord God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate in order to deliver him into your hand as he is today. Okay, but you have to look at this, okay? Before God actually moved into a position where he hardened uh, Sihon's heart or his spirit, he was already unwilling to let them pass through. He wasn't gonna change his mind one way or the other. And so God pretty much says, okay, I'll let you go into a permanent state of unbelief. If you're not going to change it when I speak to you, I'm going to leave you up to your own devices and you can just stay that way. That's fine, you know, because I'm still going to do the things that I want to do. But when he says, do not harden your hearts in exit, I mean, in uh, Hebrews 3, 8, it's actually the, the expression in and of itself is a warning to the audience not to repeat what God's people did over in Nehemiah and Chronicles and Jeremiah. And when we look at the nation of Israel, this is a ongoing thing where they believe God, they believe God, but then they become hardened. They believe God, they be and then they become hardened. Okay. And when you go back and you look in the New Testament, there's this event that happened on the boat. Jesus was walking on water and some things happened and he hops on the boat and in one of the gospels it actually says that the disciples hardened themselves so this is common to every every individual okay <clears throat> so today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts do not harden your heart if you hear the voice of the lord today okay he was angry with this generation. He said, they always go astray in their hearts and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. So take care, brethren, that none of you have an evil, unbelieving heart and falls away from the living God. OK, I need to spend a little bit of time here because this is one of those passages that most Christians are either on the fence. They're either once saved, always saved, which the phrase is not in the Bible. That's typically comes from Romans chapter eight, the lower last portion that neither life nor death, nor angel, nor demon, nor things created or anything that could be created can separate us from the love of God. That whole thing 
is really what has developed the once saved, always saved. And then you have the other side of that where, you know, people come over here to Hebrews and they talk about this particular verse where it says, take care that none of you has an evil, unbelieving heart and falls away from the living God. And for me, I've already explained this to you guys one time there for me. I feel like there really is a genuine conviction to stay within the boundaries that God has allotted to me that I, I don't need to stray off in order to get way off the path and just fall away or just drift away from the living God. Okay. And I think those boundaries are in place for just for that reason. If it was, if it was so easy for it to be once saved, always saved, then what is the point for Christian discipline? What is the point of me reading my Bible? What is the point of me praying every day? What is the point of actually working towards growth spiritually? If it's one and done, then if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that he died and he was resurrected and I'm saved, well, what is the purpose of the rest of it? I'm good, right? Well, I don't know about that. Because right here it says that make sure that you don't have an unbelieving heart that eventually falls away from the living God. Okay. Now, this is really hard because there's so many things in the Bible that talk about obedience and disobedience. Deuteronomy 28, one of my favorite chapters, the blessings and the curses. Everybody wants to talk about the blessings in Deuteronomy chapter 28, but nobody wants to talk about the curses. There is a blessing for obedience, but there is also a curse for disobedience. Amen. And so the unbelieving heart is, is that disobedience or the uh, testing of God represents symptoms of unbelief. And religion will say, I'm going to throw a fleece. I'm going to try God. Okay. And, and everybody's guilty of this in one way or another. Well, God, if you're really real, then show me a sign. Right? Sounds familiar. If this is really from you, God, then give me something to know that it's from you. Look, either you believe him or you don't. Either you trust God or you don't. If you say that you trust God, you don't need no sign. You don't need a sign point blank period. When he went to the cross and he said it is finished, technically he'd had to do nothing else for you. Technically, it was finished. Although, because he loves us, he still continues to do things for us. So don't get into a position where you begin to disobey the word of God or you disobey the Holy Spirit and you just be actually begin to test God and everybody else around you can kind of see that you you operate and you function in unbelief when you say, well, if it's from the Lord, no, just say it's from the Lord. Just claim your blessing and move on. Right. Don't get to that place where you begin to drift away from the living God. OK, verse 13, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Encouragement is another huge thing in the Bible. If more Christians were encouraging rather than 
discouraging, most of the people that we come in contact with would remain in the vine and we would see that the fruits of that encouragement would oftentimes keep people from falling away from the living God. Because today, everything in here is about right now. It's not yesterday. It's a right now, today. Encourage one another as long as it is called today. And do this today. Do it tomorrow. Do it day after tomorrow and so on. Why? It says that if you don't do this, if you don't encourage one another, then there is a potential that you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is more than just sin. It is deceitful. It will trick you and it will sear your conscience. And then all, you know, of a week, two weeks, three weeks down the road. Now you're right back into a lifestyle of sin, which is in total rejection to the message of the gospel. Right. <laughs> Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ. Uh Oh, two letter word again, if. We hold fast to the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. That's the second time that he has mentioned this. The author, which we don't it doesn't really matter who the author is, because we know that the Holy Spirit actually wrote this verse. So in verse six, he says, if we hold fast our confidence and boast of our hope firm until the end. And then when we go down here to verse 14, he says the same thing for we have become partakers of of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end so listen to me is it once saved always saved if you give up in the middle of the race if you begin to fight the good fight and you just stop fighting have you held fast until the end things to think about Don't believe everything other people tell you. Don't believe everything that I tell you. You need to go to the word. You need to go to prayer. You need to talk to the Holy Spirit and ask him to reveal to you the things that are true from any man's sermon or any man's topical discussion. You need to look at it for yourself. You need to ask the Holy Spirit for yourself. Is what this man attempting to tell me, is it true according to the word? Does it line up with what you say? And then we need to really take into consideration. (laughs) If I'm holding fast the beginning of my assurance firm up until right now. Right now, am I firm in my assurance? Tomorrow. When I wake up, I need to examine myself to make sure that I'm of the faith because I want to make sure that I make it to the end of the race. Okay. 15. While it is said today, here we go again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me. For who provoked him when they heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry? For 40 years. Was it not with those who sinned. Whose bodies fell in the wilderness. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest. But to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were not able to enter. Because of unbelief. 
the unbelieving heart or the unbelieving mind will always fall back into a lifestyle of sin and their bodies will fall in the wilderness because of direct disobedience. But that's not us. I'm a child of God. I'm saved by grace through faith. I'm standing firm today. I'm doing my Christian disciplines today. Why? Because he first loved me. And because he loved me and I've put my life down and I picked up his new life, then it I'm just I'm so thankful that I don't have to live in the hog pen like the prodigal son that I was, that I don't have to live in the trap house, that I don't have to live in homelessness, in the streets and all the things that the world just tries to say, oh, well, this is what you got to do now. Have you a little bit of this? Have you a little? No, no. Get behind me, Satan. I ain't got time for it. I'm done. I believe God because I've encountered God one on one personally. I absolutely 100 percent know without a shadow of a doubt, come hell or high water, rain or drought, that God is real and that he will provide for me. He has always provided. He has always taken care of me. And there is no way in hell I'm going back to the old life. Because he values me. He he puts more value on me than 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 my mom, than my dad, than my wife and then my child. He values me so much. How dare I ever attempt to go back to the old life and live in disobedience and live in unbelief? Now, when it talks about those who were disobedient, we obviously know that this is the Israelites when they disobeyed God and they turned away from him in the book of Numbers. Remember, Numbers is still the whole event with the Israelites who were pulled out of Egypt or redeemed out of Egypt. And these people, because of their unbelief, some of them fell in the wilderness. They complained. They murmured. How many of you complain? How many times a day do I complain? How dare I? But because of their complaints. Man, I'm getting sick of this bread. When are you going? Somebody needs to go tell Moses, I need some meat. Uh, what? What did you just say? You're tired of the food that I'm providing you? And then their minds, they always had Egypt. They always had that old life on reserve. Well, you know what? I'm done eating this manna. I'm so sick of manna. I got manna coming out of my eyes and my ears. I'm sick of this. You know what? I'm going back to Egypt. Because you know what they eat in Egypt? Everything else but manna. Right? And in the back of their minds, they're just living in this state of selfishness. Because they're only concerned about themselves. And so in their disobedience, God allowed them to continue walking and they walk so long that their bodies just fell in the desert. One time he sent fiery serpents and he said, as long as you look at the look at this, keep your eyes straight. 
then you won't get bit. And what they do, they look down and get bit and die. That's a whole sermon in itself. I'm not going to go to that. But those who were disobedient were almost all of Israel. And it was repetitive through the Old Testament. Uh, I, let's go to Numbers 14:22. Surely all the men who have seen my glory and my signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, yet have put me to test these 10 times and have not listened to my voice. Listen, God gave them 10 opportunities, just like he gave Pharaoh 10 opportunities, just like he's given some of you nine opportunities and you're running up on your 10th one. You better change something now. You better believe God. Grace eventually runs out and God says, okay, go your own way. I tried to tell you. Remember, remember your mom used to say that or your dad? I, boy, I tried to tell you. God is patient with us. He is absolutely patient. Remember, and, and we've already talked about this. He understands the limitations that we live in. The struggles that we face. But look, he ain't going to put up with our mess for so long before he says, I've given you a million opportunities. And today it's time for me to call you home. Ah, that's a tough one. That's so tough to think about all the people that I come in contact with every day who may not know the Lord. That I may be the only one left that speaks to them in an encouraging way and lifts them up and shows them the love of God. And that one encounter with me and them could be that one thing that that sets them over the edge to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So they weren't able to enter in because of unbelief. Do not fall into the trap of unbelief. The enemy will do everything he can to target your mind to say, you can't trust God. You can't trust him. He does not have your best interest in mind. I'm telling you, if you just eat this fruit on this tree, you won't die. Listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him. And make sure. We all need to make sure that we do not have an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God because we just did not want to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so. That's pretty much it for chapter three. I just, I don't, I don't like lit. I don't like ending podcasts on a negative note, but the book of Hebrews is very revealing to my spiritual life. It makes me examine is my mouth and my feet. Are they lined up together? Am I walking it like I'm talking it? And if not, what are the areas that I need to change? Lord, help me expose those inward parts, put some light on it and show me the areas that I need to work on because I'm not perfect, but I know the one that is and he lives in me. And if he lives in me, 
then I have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to change certain things about myself that are contrary to what the word says. And so today, if you're just listening to the podcast, I just bless you. I'm glad you continue to come back and just listen. I know it's not anything super deep right now, but we're going to get there. I try to meet people where they're at. Some people are, you know, in the shallow end of the pool while others of us are in the deep end of the pool. And so as we go, I'm going to try to meet everybody where they're at. I'll give you a little bit of deep stuff. I'll give you some shallow stuff. And just really, I just want everybody to grow together. You know, I have to go back to the milk very frequently. You know, as an adult, I'll I'll just be honest with you. I like a bowl of cereal once in a while. And with the Bible, it's the same way. Sometimes I like to go back and just get a big, fat, cold glass of milk and go back and just start with the basics all over again, because I don't want to ever get to a place where my where I think my knowledge and my understanding supersedes what my heart believes, what my spirit man knows. Amen. And so if you join the podcast today, I really appreciate it. If you would just uh just stay tuned, man. We're gonna I'm gonna try to switch it up after we get through uh this whole series of expositional teaching from the book of Hebrews. I might do some topical things next. You know, just try to get a couple of people maybe to call in and we do a little one on one and just change it up. But I really do appreciate you guys tuning in. If you would uh just hit the like button, hit the share button, and I'll catch you on the next one tomorrow. We're gonna do Hebrews chapter three, and that should be really good because now we're going to talk about the believers rest and then we're really going to get in there in hebrews chapter 5 and we're going to do some digging in exodus when we start talking about the perfect high priest there's so much on the topic of the high priest so once again thank you for joining and i appreciate uh everything that you guys do thanks for coming through and listening and i'll see you next time